we'll work with it. Um, I figured a combined service with some Baptists is as good a time as any to talk about exorcism. So <laughs> we'll get after it. Verse 14. When they reached the crowd, a man approached and knelt down. Before him, Lord, he said, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately and said, why, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus said, because of, of your little faith, for truly I tell you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And then depending on what Bible translation you have, there's a verse 21. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This is God's word. Um, so just, I know we say it a lot, but we're just pumped to be with you guys in your building and, and um, with you. And I'm praying for delays on our building because um, I don't, one, I don't want to leave because uh, I, I like being with you. And two, um, I would prefer Kathy take care of all the Christmas stuff. <laughs> and so... We'll see who's a better prayer, all right? <laughs> so, sorry, we, I just, we love you guys. We're really happy and thrilled to, to be with you. So, since, um, amen, since December of 2020, our church has been working through Matthew's gospel, and we ended last week um, with, with Neon Jesus. Jesus takes three disciples up on a mountain, he gives them a glimpse of the glory of the coming age. Jesus is is glorified um, and pointing to the day when all things are made new and our, our bodies are also raised in glory. So big picture here, we're on a, a roller coaster of successes and failures for the disciples. So Matthew 16 starts with a failure as Jesus rebukes the disciples for having little faith about bread, right? They get into the boat and they're like, oh, we didn't bring any bread. After Jesus has twice multiplied thousands of loaves, of, okay? And he says, you guys have little faith. It's a rebuke. That's a failure. So then we get a success later in Matthew 16. Peter confesses, you are the Messiah, the, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, you're on, on this rock. I'll, I'll build my assembly and death will not overcome it. So success. And then another failure as right after this, because Peter ha- or Jesus has called Peter the rock. And then the very next story, he says, you're not a rock, you're a stumbling stone. Get behind me, Satan. And then we get another success with neon Jesus up on the mountain. So it's just like all over the place for the disciples. And it continues right into this story where I think Matthew and with help from Mark and Luke and Q is showing us three things. Okay, so three things this morning. One, uh, the wicked nature of, of demons. Okay, just absolutely vile and wicked. Two, the, the power of the Messiah over demons. And then three, the necessity of faith for discipleship. Okay, which is very important if you are a disciple. So first, Matthew shows us the despicable nature 
of our enemy. The, the story begins uh, with describing the, the most vile kind of demon. Jesus says this kind, verse 21, uh, the, the kind that goes after kids. Okay, Demons that, that go after children are, are particularly wicked. Verse 14, the man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son. So the, the Greek word here implies he's at least seven years old. Or, or younger, and the story in Mark tells us this guy has been like this since since infancy. Okay, so since since being a very little child, he's been tormented by a, a demon in all of these ways. Now up to a, you know at, at most seven, because he has seizures, he suffers terribly. He's often falls into the fire and into the water. Mark's version says he's thrown into the fire and, and, and into the water. Uh, the the word indicates he's like pushed, drowned, not just falling into the thing. There's a something pulling him in, into the water. So we have a, a demon seizing and trying to burn and drown a child. Okay? There's nothing, you can't imagine anything more wicked and disgusting than, than this kind of Demon, this sort of demonization, this kind, Jesus says, is unique. Why? Because generally, for a demon to terrorize a person in this kind of way means that the person invited it in. Okay? That's how you get this sort of thing. Whether that's through persistent um, unforgiveness or, or hatred or jealousy, uh, Ephesians 4, uh, sexual insanity, 1 Corinthians 5, violence, John, John 8, idol worship leads to this. Or obviously any kind of occult practice, okay, mediums, horoscopes, all, but yeah, what did you think would happen kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like we were playing with a Ouija board and we got a demon. What did you think would Okay, these are how demons get a hold of people. This is, this is how they affect people. You play any of those games long enough, believer or, or unbeliever, you're just rolling out the red carpet for demonization in your life. You, you've, you said, hey, I'm, I'm open, I'm available, let's do this thing. That's what adults do. I don't think a, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old is into this kind of stuff, especially not from infancy, Okay. So I think this is a particular kind uh, because the experience here is involuntary. The kid didn't do anything, but from infancy, he's been tormented by a demon. It's entered into his life through some other way than the normal permissions, okay? Just point that out to say this sucker is vile. It's, it's evil, and it hasn't gone away, okay? It is an absolutely vile spirit then. That would seek to harm a child through seizures or burning or drowning. And it's an absolutely vile spirit now that would seek to harm a child through violence or abortion or, or genital mutilation or hormone treatment or child porn. It's the same demon. Okay? It's the same exact vile demon. And it's after kids. It's after children. Okay? Like we're not... The, your Bible's real. Okay, the stories in the scripture of a demon attacking a child are real then and, and they're real now. Okay, and doctors standing next to kids smiling that they've just mutilated them is not okay. It's demonic. It's from the pit. And there's not a millstone big enough for the demonized politicians or teachers or doctors or businesses that promote these sorts of things. Okay, sexual deviancy and insanity towards children in the name of, of tolerance or love. It's, it's demonic. 
It's demonic. A hideous strength exists in the earth, and we're told not to be deceived by it, or 2 Corinthians 2, not ignorant of its schemes. Okay, we're not, we're not clueless as to, to what's happening here, okay? It's simply foolish then, and I know we're 2022, 20, we're modern people, whatever. It's foolish to walk through life assuming that demons left in the first century or have since been on vacation, okay? It's not just in, in your Bible stories. It, it is real. They haven't been on vacation. We have a real enemy who, who really hates you and who really, 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 really hates children. Hates the most vulnerable among us. Okay, so however wicked you think the enemy is, multiply it by a billion. Okay, that's first. Just, just to shake us awake that, that we have an enemy. Okay? It's not like the first century that's over and gone. It still have an enemy. Okay, But second, and, and more importantly, Matthew shows us the power of the Messiah over demons. Okay, like that, that, That's the point. The point of the story is not about the power of a demon. The point of the story is about the power of God over demons. And we see yet again in Matthew's gospel that Jesus has total authority and total sovereignty over all demons. Even ones like this that attack little kids. So Jesus says, bring him here to me. Bring, bring the baddest, most vile demon you have. Bring him here to me. Verse 18, then Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him. And from that moment, the boy was healed. <laughs> so who's the boss here? Jesus, Jesus is the boss. And what's he doing? He's, he's flexing his sovereign muscles and giving us a foretaste of what's to come. Okay, that's what's happening here. First John 3, 8, the son of God was revealed, manifested, showed up, come to us for this purpose. Why? To destroy the works of the devil, including these kinds. So what he does here, bring him to me, rebukes him, cast him out. What he does here, he will one day do for all the cosmos, okay? So even if there's demons on Mars, they're gone, right? They're, they're cast out. Since, since the rebellion, whenever the principalities and powers rebelled and, and humans rebelled, since the rebellion, demons, principalities, powers have infested the heavens and the earth like, like roaches, okay? They're just nasty, gross little things. But the gospel is the good news that we believe and proclaim and and live under is that that conflict and that infestation won't last forever. And Jesus is putting it on display here. One day, all the roaches will be crushed. Okay, and I'm you guys have maybe not the first men in black movie. (laughs) Crushed. God, I mean, Jesus is Will Smith, right? Just taking him out. All right. So in, in, in the gospel, there's an appointed end, an appointed day, an appointed time, right? Jesus comes to the demon and they say, have you come to get rid of us before the time? Have you come to punish us before the time? Because they know there's a time, there's a day when the Lord says to all the wicked principalities and powers to all demons on that day, Jesus says enough. Therefore, now is not always Isaiah 24 in that day. At that appointed time, the Lord will punish the powers in the heavens above and the kings on the earth below. They will be herded together like prisoners bound in a dungeon. They will be shut up in prison and they will be punished after many days. That is the expectation. When you think about Jesus and his destroying the works of the devil, this is what you think. 
This is what the Messiah will do. His amnesty and his patience and his forbearance towards wickedness will cease. And he will come with legions of angels in flaming fire in holy wrath and holy rage and punish the powers that have tormented little kids. This is what he will do because he's a good dad. You don't get a mess with my kids forever. The wicked kings and wicked powers that have rebelled against God will on his set day at his appointed time be punished. And so as a down payment and as a deposit of that day, Jesus casts out a demon and heals the boy in this day, confirming to us he's faithful to do the bit at the end. Does that make sense? It's a it's a picture. It's an anchor you can hold on to and say, I know you will do that. I can put my trust in that day. Okay, so whatever you get out of today, get that Satan and all his demon hordes will one day be driven off the earth forever. Maranatha, come Lord, do the bit. And so all those who set themselves against him. Demons, principalities, powers included, they will find their end in a lake of fire. Okay? This this is what the prophets prophesied. This is what Jesus affirms. Anyone who sets themselves against God and against his Messiah, Psalm 2, will be crushed and punished. And that includes you. That includes you. If you've set yourself. Against the Lord and you've refused his offer of forgiveness in the cross unto eternal life. You, too, will join the demon hordes when he returns. Okay, like we're like it is so not worth it to wake up on a weekend and gather if you don't believe the stuff is real. We're not telling stories here that the, the, the reality of eternal life and the reality of eternal destruction. They're not they're not fairy tales. They're not myth. If you set yourself against the Lord, if you refuse his kindness and his forbearance and his patience and his self giving of himself in a cross for the forgiveness of sins, your appointed end is a lake of fire. So to avoid that fate okay, and to instead inherit eternal life. And be raised from the dead and have every tear wiped away from your eye and only know life and joy and peace forever. Repent of your sins. Turn turn to the Lord. Put your hope in the work of Jesus' cross and sell the farm to follow Jesus for however many years you have left in this age. Do the thing, okay? And so if you have a question about what does it mean to repent... What does it mean to put all of my trust only in Jesus, none in myself? You can talk to a member of my church. Okay, If you're sitting next to a member of CLC, they can tell you what it means to repent, trust in Jesus, and follow him. You can talk to any of um, our elders that will be up here at the end. You can talk to me. You can talk, you can talk to a Christian today. They can tell you what it means to follow Jesus. But the point is, Jesus has power and sovereignty over evil, and on his set day... Evil is done and righteousness endures forever. Choose this day whom you will serve. Okay? So, demons are unimaginably wicked. Times a billion, whatever you think. Jesus is incomparably powerful. And faith is necessary for discipleship and mission. So the dad goes, goes to Jesus for help and he gets it. Jesus rebukes the demon, and in that very moment, the boy is set free, which, again, you're there, and you're the father, and your boy is set free. You're just, 
it's it's just real ugly crying going on at, at this moment and, and, and rejoicing, okay? But before he went to Jesus, before he got what he needed, what he was asking for, he first went to those who represent Jesus, to those who've walked with him for at least two years at this point, okay? First he went to the disciples and what happened, verse 16, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him, which is odd, right? Okay, for this, this story bugged the heck out of me. Like, I know we were three weeks ago, I started looking at the story like, oh, what do we do with this? Okay. Bug me. They, they've been up to this point. They've been casting out demons with great success. Okay, like it hasn't been a, a, an, an issue. Seven chapters before this, Matthew 10, he called to him his 12 disciples. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, and then they do it. They go out in the authority of Jesus. They, they cast out, they say demons got to, you know, they rebuke the demons and the demon bukes. Like this is what's, what's going on. Then Luke ten seventeen, they come back and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Like this has been the pattern for the disciples, for the apostles, um, what, what's going on. But now, verse 16, I brought them to your disciples and they... They couldn't, they couldn't do it. So what, what's going on here? Okay, Why do we have success in the mission specifically pertaining to casting out demons and now just things aren't working out? Okay, The key to understanding this passage is found in Jesus' response to the man and, and to the disciples. So first to the Father, verse 17, Jesus replied, after the Father comes to him, Jesus replied, You unbelieving and perverse generation, a quote from Deuteronomy 32, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? And then Jesus says to the disciples, the disciples approached Jesus privately and they said, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus says, because of your little faith. Okay, so unbelieving and perverse generation to the father and Mark's gospel that the scribes and the crowd there. And then little faith to the disciples because you have little faith because you're an unbelieving generation. For truly, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain move from here to there. And it will move. Nothing will be impossible. Not guaranteed. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. So the issue here, why the disciples could not cast out the demon, is lack of trust of God, trust in God in, in two distinct ways. Okay, First is, is, is no faith at all. With the Father, none. He doesn't trust in the goodness of Jesus nor does he trust in the power of Jesus, as is evidenced by Mark's version of, of the story. So in Mark's version, Mark 9.22, the father comes to Jesus and says, if you can, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can convey, I'm not sure if you're able. Okay, I don't know that you have the power, you have the capacity to actually deal with this kind of demon that my son is dealing with, if you can, it's no faith at all. It's, it's zero. It's less than a mustard seed. So Jesus responds to the father like he's slighted by it. Verse 23, Jesus says, if, if you can, excuse me, <laughs> if you can, everything is possible for the one who has faith. Everything's possible, not guaranteed, but possible for the one who, who has trust. So saying, if you can is far different than the man with lepra in, in Matthew 8, 3, who says to Jesus, comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, 
You can make me clean. Okay? If you are willing is light years away. It's a totally different category than if you can at all. If you are willing is full of faith. If you are willing says, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know what you're going to do. If you're willing, this is not a problem at all. It's, it's not a deal at all. It's, it's so much different than if you can. One is full of faith and, and one is no faith at all. So if you can is not a prayer that disciples of Jesus pray. We do not pray if you can. If you are willing, pray that thing all day long. Because yeah. we trust God. We, we, we trust his goodness and his power. Because he uh, both... Perfectly, If you are willing, says, we believe God can do all things. And, and we believe that God will do all the things necessary to bring about the redemption. Like, this is how we pray, okay? Not, not doubting God's power or, or God's goodness. We could, if you are willing, this is no problem at all for you. And so I just say this. The Lord loves it. Even if your prayers are, are off base. Okay, like even if they're not not right, the Lord loves it when we pray in faith. Okay, when we pray with total confidence and total trust in the power of God and in the goodness of God, the Lord's heart is is moved. We 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 sing that song as we face the wave of death. We we've dealt with a lot of death the last couple of years, and there's a member of of our church who we had a, a particularly hard hard death, who called me and says, we need to get over there and lay hands so that he'd be raised from the dead. That, that phone call happened like, hey, God, God can do this. Let's go, let's go lay hands that the, dead, that the dead would be raised. And I tell him like, We're, you know, past that, we, we, can't, we can't do that right now. It's not going on. But God is so pleased with your faith. God is so pleased with your faith. Like, you, again, this is extra biblical, so don't like saying, Josh is teaching this. But I just, man, when, we, when we're praying, we're asking God for, for whatever it is, okay, for, for healing or, or, or miracles or, or whatever, for God to move in a relationship, whatever kind of deal. And we pray, and it's not, it's not what God's doing right there. It's not what's happening. But we pray in faith with total confidence. And God, I just see the Lord on the throne at the height of the heavens saying, angels, look at this. Look at their faith. They trust me to do what I can do. They have total confidence in me. Are you, are you seeing this? I think it just moves the Lord's heart when we pray with faith. When we ask him without lack of confidence or trust in what he can do. And then as it pertains to specific covenantal promises in the scriptures, what he will do. That just moves the heart of God. Even if the outcome isn't, isn't what we want, God is so pleased with it. So for those of you uh, in either congregation who have prayed with faith and the outcome wasn't what we wanted, God is pleased with you. God is moved by your trust in him. Okay? So that's the first issue is no faith at all. If, if you can. I don't know if you can. The second issue it's not an issue of, of faith. It's an issue of misplaced faith. Okay, It's faith somewhere else, which again points to, if you were here last week, we, we saw a lot of parallels between Jesus and Moses going up on the mountain. Well, there's more here. Moses goes up on the mountain. He experiences glory and he comes down to find his disciples putting their trust in what? 
golden calf, right? Jesus goes up on the mountain, Matthew 17, experiences glory and comes down to find his disciples putting their trust, not in a golden calf, but in, I think, themselves. So the the disciples issue why they could not do what Jesus commissioned them to do is because their trust, I I think, was not in Jesus' power anymore, but I think it's in themselves. They go out, they're casting out demons in Jesus' name, and eventually it's like, maybe this is happening because of us. And I think that uh, is the case because Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 32. Okay, this unlocked the passage for me, and we'll unlock your whole Bible for you. <laughs> Deuteronomy 32. So I think Deuteronomy um, sheds light on this on this scene. So what's the issue in Deuteronomy 32? It's the left part of your Bible. I know you haven't read it. We'll just tell you. All right. I'm just kidding. It's the same issue as Matthew 17. It, it's a lack of trust in God. It's faith or trust or confidence in in someone else. So Deuteronomy 32, the Lord, or Moses tells the people who've been walking in circles in the desert for 40 years, you were unmindful of the rock that bore you and you forgot the God who gave you birth. Okay. So it was God who raised up Moses, right? It was God who, who destroyed the Egyptian gods with plagues. It was God who parted the Red Sea and drowned Egypt's armies. It wasn't Moses. Right? It wasn't Aaron, it wasn't Jethro, it wasn't Joshua, it certainly wasn't the people, all right? But that seemed to be the prevailing attitude uh, among the people that Moses is railing against, Deuteronomy 28 to 32. Their entire existence as a people, even present day, their entire existence and all of their success is absolutely and only a miracle, okay? Ancient Israel, present day Israel, only a miracle, there's no other way... This stuff works out, yet they forgot God. They become unmindful of him, and they attempt to live out their purpose and what God has called them to do, be a light to the nations. They attempt to do this without God, Okay, uh, except for Moses, right? Moses prays, if your presence doesn't go with us, we just won't go. Later, Moses kind of trusts himself, hits the rock. But you see, you see the point? God is the cause of... All their success, everything good that's happened to them in their, in, in, out of Egypt into the wilderness, up to Sinai, the, the, the military victory after it. But the people have, have given up trust. They're relying on something else. And so Moses calls them what? They are a perverse generation in whom there is no faithfulness. What does Jesus say here? You unbelieving and perverse generation. You couldn't cast out the demon because verse 20 of your little faith. Your little trust. So what I think happened here, based on Jesus' allusion to Deuteronomy, I think in Matthew 10 and Luke 10, Jesus sends out the disciples in his name with authority to cast out demons. They go out with humble trust, like, okay, we're going out in the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus. And they place the success of their mission, because all this stuff, read Matthew 10, read Luke 10, the stuff he sends them out to do. If we read it today, we'd be like, what? Raise the dead? Cast out demons, right? Like, for go without a knapsack? What? Right? So they they, they go out and, and they do, again, back to Moses' generation, they, they do the Jericho bit. They, they march around and they sing in faith and God makes the walls come down. 
Okay, God does it. Then they they go out in God's name and God's authority and the demons are cast out. They come back rejoicing. Look, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And there's no boasting in themselves here. No trust in their own power. All credit and all boasting is aimed at Jesus, my name. Jesus, look, they're subject to us in your name. Isn't this awesome? We're, we're, We're doing the bit. They're successful. The walls come down. The demons turn and flee. But what does success do? To our weak, sinful hearts. We do not, just as a race, we do not handle success well. Okay? Success jacks up our weak and sinful hearts. So what I think happened is the disciples went out, trusting in God's power, casting out demons in Jesus' name. But over time... Due to success and due to the frailty of their hearts, the experience changed from, look, the demons are subject to us in Jesus' name, to, look, the demons are subject to us. Aren't we awesome? Don't we have a great ministry strategy? From we're trusting in God's power to we are trusting in our own. And the same thing happened to the generation that Moses sang to, Joshua 6. With total trust in God's power alone, they walk around walls and sing and blow trumpets and walls come down. And we, again, we believe this really happened. It's, it's God's power. No one leaves the Jericho event like, we are great. You know, I have a really powerful voice. That's Joshua 6, Joshua 7 They spy out the land of Ai and they think, oh, we did Jericho. We can take Ai, our power. And so what happens, Joshua 7, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, go spy out the land. And the men went up and spied it out. And then they returned to Joshua and said to him, don't have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Don't make the whole people toil up there for they are few. Look, we, Joshua... We saw the land. We, we took out Jericho. Surely we can take out I. We can do it. So about 3,000 men went up from there, from the people, and then they fled before the men of I. They couldn't cast the demon out. And the men of I killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate and struck them at the crest, at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Do you, am I making this up? Do you see the parallel? Joshua and And the disciples here, trusting in God to complete God's mission leads to success. Trusting in yourself to complete God's mission is failure. We couldn't get rid of I. We couldn't cast out the demon, but we did the Jericho bit. Like, what's going on? It, it, It only works through the power of God, which clarifies what Jesus says to close the section out. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. To do the work of God requires trust in God. And prayer and fasting keep the heart humble. Prayer prayer and fasting keep the heart trusting only in God's power and only in God's might. Like, you're not praying a lot and fasting like, I am awesome. Not how it works. You're like, oh gosh, I'm so weak. It's been two hours. You know what I mean? Like there's a, uh, we talk about the, the redemption of the earth that we're trusting in Jesus to do. And, and, and people say, yeah, we're, we're going to do it. Like the joke is like, I can't balance a checkbook. You think I'm going to bring about world redemption? No, no. To do the work of God requires trust in, in God. 
Okay, a heart of faith knows that with God, all things are possible. Mountains can be moved, actually, the heart of faith says. A building can actually be paid for, the heart of faith says. Okay, demons can be cast out. In, in his name, sickness can be healed. We just think about Tonkawa. The heart of faith says disciples can actually be made. We can actually give ourselves to trusting in God and stepping out in faith and in trust and in obedience. And God will actually start to make people and birth people and form people who will be faithful to him unto death in Tonkawa. Okay? Marriages can actually reflect God, the heart of faith says. Children can actually be raised to fear God, the heart of faith says. Sin can actually be mortified, the heart of faith says. This is the point of of the story, okay? It's not about just generic, if you believe something strong enough and, and, and say it positively enough, enough times, it will happen, okay? That That's not... That's not what faith is. You know, I tried it and I'm not in the NBA. It didn't happen. Right. Must be because I didn't have enough faith. It's not the point of the story. The point of the story is to rebuke the disciples then and to rebuke disciples now for trusting in anything but the power of God for success in our mission. And our, 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 our mission is clear, guys, to go into, as you go, make disciples. And that requires a lot of power. It requires the work of the Spirit. And it will not happen with trust in ourselves. It will only happen with, with trust in God. This is what Jesus is saying. And so, instructive for us, just, just to close um, here... Terry, if, if you want to come and uh, help us out here. Instructive for us here is to go back to Mark's gospel to the Father. Okay? It starts with, if you can. But he ends with this, Mark 9, 24. Immediately the, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Okay? Help my unbelief. So let's pray that. Father, we are gathered... And, and and we come here because um, we trust you. Because we've heard the gospel. We, we've heard of, of the promise of the forgiveness of our sins in the cross before the day of the Lord unto eternal life. We've heard it. We've trusted in it. But there are things along the way. There are things in this age... Um, that require some more trust. That, that require your power. And so for those of us, God, with, with weak faith and little faith today, it's still real. It's not, not faith. It's not, not trust. It's still real. And so the cry of our hearts, God, both congregations, is we believe. We trust. Help our unbelief. So I ask as we go into a time of prayer here that you would send the spirit to fill us with trust and fill us with hope, fill us with faith, knowing and believing and walking as if nothing will be impossible for you. We believe God help our unbelief.
In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. So our elders and, and uh, Baptist deacons will be at the front for anyone who would like prayer. Uh, we'll do that now. If you're not praying at the front, uh, pray in your row, pray in your seat, pray in the lobby. But this this time is just for prayer. So it can be in response to, to this um, or, or anything else. We just want to pray now. So let's do that.